Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Dragons Are Real podcast. My name is Pete Jones. We're not hanging about today. Let's get into the main subject. So, Advanced 5e Level Up was a recent Kickstarter by Enwill Publishing. Um, it's three books, just like in the 5th edition. You've got the Adventurer's Guide, which is equal to your Player's Guide. You've got Trials and Treasures, which is your GM book. And you've got Monstrous Menagerie, which is your Monster Manual. So, this is Enwill's version of 5th edition. And it takes the 5th edition SRD and they've created their own version of Dungeons and Dragons, which they're calling Advanced 5e Level Up. And in the next few podcasts, we're going to take a look at each one of these books. Um, so we'll start this week with The Adventurer's Guide. So The Adventurer's Guide, as I said, is the player's handbook. For the Kickstarter, it was £120 if you've got all three of the hardback books, because they're going to be £40 retail when they do come out in about January. But as soon as the Kickstarter finished, the PDFs got delivered straight to my drive through inbox. So this is what I'll be reviewing today. So these books take it that you know how to play Dungeons & Dragons, or their version of it. And this person, this pod is going to be looking at the differences between the player's handbook and the adventurer's guide. So what do you actually get? If we look at the back of the book, it says in this guide to level up the advanced role-playing game, you will find everything you need to play. Create diverse and unique heroes, engage in epic combat with villainous foes, cast powerful spells and build mighty strongholds. So the core book includes a unique origin system, which allows you to select your heritage, culture, background and destiny. Details with adventuring gear, weapons, armour, vehicles and strongholds. Full rules for combat and adventuring. Hundreds of spells, combat manoeuvres, exploration knacks and other exciting abilities. And an advanced rule system which adds depth to the core 5th edition rules while maintaining full compatibility. And Level Up is a standalone game. Everything you need to create your character and start adventuring can be found in this rulebook. So very much like 5e, the three books, then the, the player's handbook, you've got everything you want. We mentioned Advanced 5e, we'll use the nominator A5e. And the Open 5th uh, Edition system, which is from the SRD, has been known as the O5e. So there are some changes. Um, things like um, a barbarian is called a berserker in A5e, drow is now a shadow elf, dwergar is deep elf, exhaustion has now been changed to fatigue. They don't call it a games master, they call it a narrator. A golem is now a guardian. Half orcs and half elves are mixed heritage. Madness is a mental stress effect. A monk is an adept. Phylactery is soul vessel. Paladin is now called a herald. Race is heritage. And tiefling is plain touched. Some of the spells have been renamed so that they're more generic or when they're using specific names. So what isn't compatible? So while it says characters in O5e and A5e can be used alongside each other and are fully compatible as complete entities, their building blocks are slightly different in each game. What they're trying to say there is A5e was designed from the ground up to provide a, way, a wide degree of flexibility and customization. So that means the A5e's heritage, cultures and backgrounds are not compatible with OSCE's races and backgrounds. However, you can use uh, each in the other games. So let's get on to the contents. So we have an introduction, which is about five pages. Character creation, which is the core of the book, takes us through all the bits of character creation, through your origins, through your classes, 
your equipment, heritages, all that sort of stuff. Then we've got a section on multi-classing and feats. Then we've got the adventuring rules, the combat and turn-based action rules. Then we have a big section on the combat maneuvers, which is something new they've added. And then we've got the spell casting section with all the different spells. So the introduction is six pages of introduction to a role-playing game and what a role-playing game is all about. One thing it does mention there on page 11, that is they're bringing something called um, group checks. Um, in group checks in 5e, only half the group have to succeed for the check to pass as a group. But now they're bringing in a group critical. Uh, yeah, group criticals and group fumbles. So if everybody succeeds on the group role, it's now a critical role. And if everybody fails, there is it is a critical failure. It also introduces expertise dice, which is a bit like the Rogue and Bard speciality dice in O5e. And they add to the dice rolls, and they can be anywhere from a D4 to a D20. So as I said, character creation is the chunkiest part of the book, as it is in the original player's handbook. So the origins are split into four. We have the heritage, which is in O5e it was race. We have the culture, which was the subclasses. We have backgrounds and we have destiny and that is what is your goal for your character. Again we have classes and the classes are slightly different from the way they are in O5e and then we have levels. So not too much has changed. Ability scores are generated the same way but now they offer a third alternative which is a point by system where you have 27 points and you spend points to buy your ability scores, but the maximum ability score you can buy is 15. So let's have a look at the heritages. There are eight heritages, Dragonborn, Dwarf, Elf, Gnome, Halfling, Human, Orc, Plain Touched and Mixed Heritage. Then we have 35 cultures. And besides our normal things like Hell Dwarves and Mountain Dwarves and Shadow Elves, we've got things like Caravaner, Circus Folk, and a nice selection of other cultures to add in there. There's 21 backgrounds, starting with the Acolyte, which is in the SRD, but then we've got other things like Urchin, Guards, Gamblers, Folk Hero, that sort of thing. And then we've got our Destinies. And the Destinies are Chaos, Coming of Age, Devotion, Dominion, Excellence, Knowledge, Metamorphosis, Revenge, Underdog and Wealth. So the same way you do in O5e, you pick a heritage, a culture, a background and a destiny. So what I'm going to do is just have a look at one of the cultures in A5e and compare it to O5e. And for that, I picked the Dwarf. So in original 5e, the con increases by plus two by picking this race or this culture. Speed is 25 for both. Both systems have dark vision, both has tool proficiency. In O5e, you have proficiency in battle axe, hand axe, throwing hammer and warhammer. You have the stone, coming, stone cunning ability, which gives you double proficiency in intelligence history checks for stonework. You have advantage on poison saving throws and you're resistant to poison damage. In A5e, the additions are, or the differences are, you have toughness, so you get plus one HP per level. You get an expertise dice on poison saving throws and prone checks. Again, you are resistant to poison and you have a toughness which gains you ability, which gains you 1d10 temporary hit points for one minute. And that refreshes with a rest. 
So not too many changes there really, but there's some subtle changes. You can um, pick your different types of um, cultures or your subclasses, so things like Hill Dwarf are there, but again, there are some subtle changes. Then we have backgrounds, which adds plus one to your ability scores and gives you a proficiency in two skills, or it also gives you proficiency in two tools or two languages or one of each. It gives you a connection, a memento for your background, and a background feature. Then we come to destiny. And as I said before, there are 10 destinies and they give you tables of motivations, which is a way for you to gain inspiration. You, When you fulfill your destiny, then uh, your character moves on. And if you haven't reached your destiny by the time you get to 16th level, then you automatically fulfill your destiny. So if we have a quick look at chaos, so those destined for chaos don't live by the rules, binding of new folk, they clash with authority and tradition all their lives. The source of inspiration is chaos, where they sow disorder. Their inspiration feature is ingenious double talk, where they can twist conversations in any direction with an inspired turn of phrase and confusing double talk. To fulfill their destiny, they look to greatly stabilize a nation or extremely large organization subvert or trick a deity level entity. There is a chaos destiny motivation table on the d6. So for example, it's got things like freedom, following orders akin to slavery, excitement, a day of calm is a day wasted. So that's the sort of thing you get in each of the origins. Then we come on to adventuring classes. So the classes available to you are adept, bard, berserker, Cleric, Druid, Fighter, Herald, Marshal, Ranger, Rogue, Sorcerer, Warlock and Wizard. So I'm not going to go through all the classes, but I'll just take a quick look at a Fighter, which is a, a common class, which is used in O5e and compare it to the A5e Fighter. So things like hit dice, hit points, weapon armor proficiencies, saving throws and skills, all the same. In first level in O5e, as a Fighter, you would get a Fighting Style and Second Wind. And then when you get to third level, you would obviously pick an archetype, which gives you a choice of three, which is champion, battlemaster, and eldritch knight. In A5e at first level, you get a fighting style, and there's 12 of those to choose from. There's some combat maneuvers. There's some soldiering naps, which are mini feats. And then when you get to third level, the archetypes are brute, duelist, gladiator, knight, and sharpshooter. So quite some changes. And all through the classes, there are some subtle changes throughout. Then we have on chapter four, we have a section on equipment and there's lots of lists of uh, weapons. They've added to the weapon list that is in the O5e with different weapons and there's things like brass knuckles and stuff like that. So if you want more weapons, there's certainly more of those. Um, same with the uh, range weapons, they've added a couple of weapons into there. They've also um, added some different properties to weapons. Uh, so we've got things like a, a breaker, which is a weapon that deals double damage to unattended objects, such as doors. Um, there's dual wielding, so uh, you can wield a weapon, dual wield a weapon with something else. So there's some new um, special abilities for weapons, which you can add to. Uh, then we've got a, a nice table on some rare melee weapons and rare range weapons, which is nice. So yeah, you want something a bit exotic to add to your game, that's in there as well. Uh, when it comes to shield, 
uh, there's a nice new rule which I like is you can sacrifice your shield. So when you take a critical hit, you can use your reaction to block it and sacrifice your shield, turning the critical hit into a regular hit and your shield is broken. So I quite like that one. Then we have the armor rules. And again, there's been some tweaks to the armor rules like studded leather is now gone. And they've got some additions in there as well for you to look at. Then there's um, tables there on special materials that you can add to your weapons like bone, bronze, adamantine, cold iron. So some rules on that, which is all very nice. Uh, customizing shields, maintenance of your equipment, uh, medicines, a spell casting foci, some common poisons. There's a, a nice little tables on um, gambling outcomes and gaming sets. So you can add those performance outcomes, which are D20 rolls. Um, so some nice little additions there. Full rules for vehicles and mounts, of course. Siege weaponry. Uh, lifestyles. That's been simplified from setting seven categories down to three. So now we just got poor, moderate and rich lifestyles. We've got uh, magic item supplies, um, crafting and uh, the prices for crafting, uh, spell casting services, which is something that often uh, comes up in games, which GMs have to think of. So if you, for example, you want a resurrection, you can pay two and a half thousand pound, uh, two and a half thousand pound, two and a half thousand uh, gold pieces for the materials and another one thousand gold pieces for the casting fee. And you need a bard or cleric to do it. Uh, then we've got things like donations, um, if you want pets, how much it costs you to buy a pet, a common pet, an uncommon pet or rare pets. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff here for um, weapons um, equipment at higher levels. So, for example, if you're starting at a tier three fighter you would, with 7000 gold, you start with a bag of holding for 500 gold, full plate, three potions of healing school weapon etc so if you're starting at high level it takes some of the burden off you there there's some nice rules for building a stronghold and different stronghold types with size the usual strongholds furnishings um, and then there's some example strongholds so if you want a tavern it gives you an example of the size it will be the quality the cost um, the staff it needs so they've got some nice simple um, examples there, a few pages of them to get you up and running. And obviously there's a followers section in there in the equipment. So if you want followers, how you get followers. Chapter five is multi-clusting and feats. Now feats isn't something I use in my 5e games, but I know lots of people do. So there's full rules here for multi-clusting and feats. But while flicking through it, one of the new feats in it that I quite liked because um, obviously they've added, had to add completely new feats because there's none in the SRD, is new blood. So a new blood feat, the prerequisite is you must have been bitten by a vampire or taken necrotic damage equals quadruple your level. And you have been corrupted with vampirism. <coughs> oh yes, so that's quite a, a nice one I added that, like there. And then they've got things like a vampire spawn and your pre prerequisite is that you must have new blood feet and you have embraced your vampirism and looking even more on greater darker gifts. So that one did catch me. I thought, oh yeah, that sounds quite good. Then chapter six is on ability scores and what you use your abilities for. There's a nice chapter, oh nice chapter, a nice page on some ability check DCs by its uh, skills, give you some examples for people new to the hobby. There's uh, examples 
of critical successes, critical failures, what you can get for each of these different categories. So if you're not very good at those sorts of things, I'll give you some nice examples. Then chapter seven, uh, which is on page 407, is the adventuring section, and this starts the regular fifth edition rules. And everything you would expect in, is in here. Um, I'm only going to mention the additions. So we've got a prestige rating that's now been added. So this is your known and influence. And your stat always starts at 1 and then increases automatically at levels 5, 11 and 17. You may also get prestige points from your stronghold or GMA award. You them. And this is determines how you influence strangers, allies and enemies. And also determines the number of followers you may have. And there's a table of prestige rating, how well you are known, who you can get an audience with, and your notoriety. Chapter 8 is combat and turn-based action, and all your good stuff in combat is here. And there's been some uh, additions as well. Introduces fatigue, which replaces exhaustion from O5E. So you can get uh, fatigue, um, like a serious wound, when you take, if you fall unconscious, or if you take a critical hit at zero hit points, or when taking a critical hit, you can block it and take a level of fatigue instead. There's bonuses for will bonuses, uh, cover, penalty. So some examples there. There's uh, rules for countdowns, which is a pool of D6. And when you're doing a countdown, it could be like a crumbling cliff or uh, you're trying to pick a lock. You roll this pool of D6 and each one that uh, rolls a six comes out of the pool. And the next time you roll it, you keep doing the same. And when the last dice is removed from the pool on a six, then the thing that is in the countdown happens. And then we get on to combat maneuvers. Uh, so this is a new section and this is some of the meat and potato and adds a lot more crunch to the fifth edition rules. So if you're playing a combat heavy game, then this might be an interesting section for you. And there's things like combat traditions, maneuvers in combat, exertion pools. You have your obviously your basic maneuvers from the SRD like disarm, grapple, etc. Lockdown, shove. And then there's three pages of different combat maneuvers you can use. So you've got things like a cleaving swing where you can make an additional attack with a heavy weapon. You've got things like a assisted roll, roll away from an opponent who misses you. Um, and there's lots of different combat maneuvers here. If you like a bit more cinematic, uh, combat to your fifth edition games then this is right up your street and there's several pages of those then we get to section 10 which is the spell casting section and as you would expect this is a comprehensive spell section with spells for all the relevant classes and what i do like is in the class section it lists these spells by level as well so you can look them up and go straight to the section you want your favorites from the srd are obviously there um, as I said before, some have been renamed and there's some brand new spells being added. So, yeah, there's plenty there to get your teeth into. Finally, we get to the back of the book, which is page 616, is um, our appendix. And the appendix A is a list of conditions, which is nice to have with all the different uh, conditions that you've got. And then we get, this is where we mention fatigue. So instead of exhaustion, we have fatigue split into two, into fatigue and strife. And each has seven levels. So at level one fatigue, you cannot sprint. Level two, you get disadvantage on strength, dexterity and constitution checks. Level three, your speed is halved and you're unable to maintain a fast travel pace. 
Level four, you get disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws using strength, dex, or con, and you're enabled to maintain a normal travel pace. At fifth level of fatigue, your hit dice are halved. At sixth level, your speed is reduced to five foot, and you're enabled to maintain a slow travel, travel pace. And at level seven, you're doomed. Your strife is your mental stress, and level one, you get disadvantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma checks. Level two, you get disadvantage on concentration checks. Level three, you can only take a bonus action or action turn, not both. Level four is a disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws using intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Level five, you suffer the effects of a randomly determined short-term mental stress effect. Level six, you cannot cast spells. And level seven, you suffer the effects of a randomly determined long-term mental stress effect. And there's obviously some mental stress effects there that are less, so you can pick from some of those or roll for them as well. Appendix B is God's Fates and Beliefs. So this is, obviously there's no setting to this, so this gives you some idea of the religion types that are. So we've got things like Ascended Hero Worship. Um, we've got Nature Worship, Cosmic Warfare Religions, Philosophies, Atheism and Secularism, Humanism and Humanistic Faith. And then there's some sample gods and pantheons. Then there's some religious conspiracy tables to get you up and running with them. And then we've got some some common creatures at the back. So these are your just your regular sort of animals. So whereas you normally use your, you know, reskin your bear for everything, obviously there's a black bear at the back. So some nice simple creatures at the back. And that's a quick dive into the adventurous guide for A5E Advanced Fifth Edition. My thoughts on it? Well is it going to replace 5th edition? No, it's not. But I think it's a good idea for somebody to do an alternative uh, set of rules. And with having their own rules, at least with Enville Publishing, they can um, dig into this and quote it. Because at the moment, if you're writing anything for 5th edition D&D, you can only use stuff from the SLD unless you sign up for the DMs Guild. And at the DMs Guild, they take 50% of your takings away as part of the deal. Now, with uh, I think this is the first time that any other publisher has written their own rule set based on fifth edition. I know others, I think like Matt Corville has also talked about it, but this is the first set. And to be honest, I like what I see. I think it's a good idea. I'm going to mine it for some ideas. I think there's bits and pieces I can pull out. So I think for the price, I think it's, it's, it's well worth it. If you like 5e, it's certainly there's plenty in there to get your teeth into. If you're not a fifth edition fan, why are you listening to this episode of the podcast? Well, that's what my thoughts. Um, in the next couple of episodes, I'm going to look at the other two books. So um, thank you all for listening, and I'll catch you all on the flip side. If you want more information, you can visit the website at petejones.neocities.org. The blog is dragonsareal.substack.com. You can reach me on Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social media. And if you want to send me an email, the email address is dragonsareal at pm.me.